passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back to the Wolf Among Wolves podcast, part of the Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on awolfamongwolves.com. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. Today, again, I have two guests. Again, none other than Tim Fakeless, editor-in-chief of A Wolf Among Wolves, and then Jack Borman of Cana Supas. How's it going, guys? I'm good. I'm I'm flattered that I get a none other and Jack just gets his name. Really, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, no, I'm, no shade being thrown, but how's it going, Jack? I'm doing well, man. Awesome. Um, so yeah, today we're we're planning uh, on talking about, well, first answering some questions that we got on Twitter, and then we're going to go into, um, Tim's got some trivia questions for Jack and I, since I quizzed Tim and David last time, we're going to see if if uh, Jack and I do any better than David did, because David did not have a good a good run a couple weeks ago, so hopefully, hopefully we do a little bit better than that, but all right, so let's just start out right away with our first question it comes from a wolf among wolves own logan alton and he asked if you had to trade carl anthony towns what would your ideal trade package look like jack you go first (laughs) all right um so for me this isn't one that that i've thought super long and hard about just because ideally it's it's not a question that will that we'll have to worry about but um when you're thinking about it i think that you have to start with, I'd say, just just looking at the way that a lot of these superstar trades are going down, whether it be sign-in trades and just make the salary work and then attach a bunch of different first-round picks like the like the Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook right. deal or Anthony Davis deal or the Jimmy Butler deal. Um, you know, I think that, that your starting point would probably be at least two or three first-round picks. Um, and then you'd hope that you could get some type of young and, and upcoming talent, um, kind of similar to like what Malik Beasley is now, where, um, you know, you get a guy that they could probably get you at least halfway there to that to that salary match number um, for Cat. You know, it depends on when you trade him, but it's, you know, whatever. It's probably probably in the neighborhood of like, I don't know, like 24 to 26 million dollars. Um, so if you had a guy that that was an up and coming talent, say kind of in the mold of a Malik Beasley in the, in the neighborhood of 14 to 16 million, and then you could kind of get maybe, you know, a recent young first round pick um, and then and then just a little salary filler there. I think that if you're going to trade cat, you need to have guys that are going to be able to be around for a while. Right. Uh as well as as well as the potential for for additional draft assets that you could either flip to try and get another star or you know or draft later on so i would probably say you know a really young up-and-coming talent uh 
a first round a recent first round pick and then probably at least three at least three future first round picks is kind of where i would i would start the conversation yeah i think that's a good starting point too tim what did you have something different I mean, similar it's the same. generally when you trade star players it all looks rather, pretty similar uh that's the package it's that or in much more rare cases uh you trade a star player for a lesser star player and draft picks or you're packaging your star player with a draft pick for right quote-unquote superior star player mm-hmm. ray allen and uh gary payton got swapped seattle yep. and milwaukee back in the day as an example uh doesn't happen very often but it happens but yeah i mean it's hard to go too in depth on this but if if i'm trading cat with the situation on the team, uh, I'd probably look to dump D'Lo at some point, too. Uh, I would want to just throw all the salary I can out and get rid of all the long-term deals that I have. And frankly, I know that's a few upcoming questions, so I won't get into detail about it, but I don't know if I'd really want to commit very much money to Malik Beasley. I, um, I'd want short-term contracts, young players on rookie deals right. and drafts, uh, and start completely over. That seems to be the only scenario where I'd trade Cat. But as Jack so eloquently put it, let's hope that that does not yeah. become a scenario that we need to worry about anytime soon. Uh huh. That would be a bummer. I agree. Yeah, and I think and I think you made an interesting point too about the whole rookie contract thing because like you look at Memphis, and when and I, the only reason I know this is because I was looking at I was look I was talking to some buddies yesterday about why I think Memphis is going to be worse next year than they are this year just in terms of their overall record. But I was looking at the cap table for, for Memphis, and Memphis's three most expensive players right now are our beloved Gorgie Jang, Jonas Valanciunas, and Justice Winslow. So two guys that didn't even really play for them very much, and they're just able to build with because they have two guys on rookie contracts. It just right. be, And I think that that's kind of a sticking point for the Wolves moving forward is that you know you know you're the only person you really have the only two guys you really have on rookie contracts are Jared Culver and Josh Okogie uh, both of whom I wouldn't necessarily say are cornerstone players like like John Morant and Jaron Jackson for the right. Grizzlies so it's it's and like Tim mentioned too when you have you know two guys that are already on star contracts and or max contracts and then you're looking at, at Malik um, it's just tough that you're a young and, and quote unquote up and coming team but you don't really have rookie contracts to build off of. Uh, so that'll that'll kind of be an interesting thing to, to keep in mind. I agree. So so do you, are we assuming that if we're trading Cat, we're getting the lesser star player in a situation like that? Or do you think there's a world where we take Cat and we throw picks on Cat to get someone else? You know, say uh, Joel Embiid or something where you... Cat's, Not a lesser player. Okay. Or he is he is a lesser player. Yeah, <laughs> Joel Embiid is. Oh, you okay? Yeah, but well, you, you know what I'm saying. Said, I mean, yes, I know what you're saying. It, with that particular instance, I don't know if I'd trade him for Joel Embiid just because of health related reasons. But right. Past that point, no, I don't. If he were five years older, maybe. Yeah. A guy that young, you. A guy that young on his first big contract just generally doesn't get traded up for i don't that yeah. just doesn't really i don't think he, i think he would be the best player in any trade if cat had to get right. traded I I, I I think he would be the be- best player but there is a chance where you throw th- assets with cat to get someone better but i think if we're trading cat we're kind of trying to get worse and just get some cap space in the future to blow up kind of rebuild yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, too, if any team's going to trade for a guy like Cat, you'd probably think it would be a team like the Knicks, who just desperately needs a star. Or, yeah. you know, a team that's looking to pair Cat with somebody else, mm-hmm. so they probably wouldn't want it. It's like the situation that the Wolves are in. Like, the Wolves are wanting to build around Cat and D'Lo, so I can't imagine that they would, you know, yeah. trade D'Lo to upgrade the second star type thing. Right. Generally, if you're looking to get a star, you're looking to pair him with somebody else that you already have. So, um yeah, but but he's just such a special talent that I don't think that I, I think that the numbers are so slim of, of guys that you could include in a deal that would be better than Cat, where mm-hmm. he wouldn't be, where he wouldn't be the best guy. This is probably obvious for the three of us and most people that would listen to this podcast. But the only scenario where Carl Anthony Towns is getting traded is towards the end of his deal where he and D'Lo uh, are not thrilled and it's pretty clear yep. that they're either going to try to go elsewhere together or just split up and go do their own thing elsewhere uh this isn't happening they're they're both at the beginning of a new contract so yeah uh, i agree uh, rest easy people <laughs> he's not or going if to D-Lo the gets traded. <laughs> yeah right if Delo gets traded for ben simmons which Britt robson hypothetically Once. put out yep. yesterday on twitter <laughs> I think Philly would be interested in that, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, that is a different conversation <laughs> for sure. But it is an interesting conversation nonetheless. Um, okay, next question comes from Zach, Zach Noble. Um, he was a guest on the show at 1.2. Uh, he asked, what is the ceiling of this Wolves team if everyone reaches their full potential and stays healthy? Um, I'll start out by saying this. I'll just say my answer right now. This current team the roster that we had at the end of the season, assume everybody comes back. Everybody reaches their ceiling. So does that, what is their ceiling? What's Cat's ceiling? Is Cat a above average defender? You know, like I don't, you have to define their ceilings, but I think it's somewhere along the lines of like the seven, six, seven seed probably. I think if Cat reaching his ceiling is an interesting conversation in its own right because I think a lot of people at this point see Cat's ceiling as uh, statistically he's already reached it offensively in a lot of ways. He's a 50-40-90 guy or close every year. The difference is uh, we don't really know what his defensive ceiling is because he's just kind of been on a straight uh, trajectory since he entered the Mm -hmm. league defensively. I still think his ceiling is average to above average, and that's a significant jump to where he is now. Uh, an above average defender cat with the offense that he has is a top six, seven player, probably maybe top five. Uh, And with that, if you have a top five player and then you're throwing on, (laughs) I mean, this is just best case scenario. D'Lo making his ceiling, which maybe he's reached it again. Maybe it's just a slightly elevated version of him offensively. Mm -hmm. Beasley reaching a ceiling, which is probably more or less what he did with Minnesota and Culver reaching a ceiling and Nas Reed reaching their ceiling. Like that's a, that yeah. is a late 2000s, mid-2000s Phoenix Suns, Houston Rockets. I think best best case, everyone's hitting their ceiling. That's a, a three or a four. Yeah, Not I don't think the ceiling of this team could get to a top one or two seed in, a, no. in the conference, especially not in this Western Conference. It's just too stacked. So right. I think of it as I'm going to go a little differently. I'm going to think of it as, you know, let's say we get the third or fourth pick in, sure. in the draft next season. And let's say we take a guy like, let's say we take Devin Vassell. And if, and if everybody reaches their full potential, um, I think that cats potential cat has the potential 
to be a dominant defensive player. I'm not going to say he'll get there. The chances that he'll get there, I think, are much lower. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about a guy who has incredible physical tools, uh, you know, a vulturous wingspan. He's seven feet. He's incredibly athletic, moving side to side. Um, and, you know, can, you know, hypothetically could defend multiple positions. I think that... I think that when you look at a player like that, I think if it, you're immediately talking playoffs for sure. Yeah. And, oh, 100%. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a generational talent offensively. And I think D'Angelo Russell, I don't really think that there's any additional or higher defensive ceiling for him. But, yep. you know, for him as an offensive player, I think that he can become a much more efficient shooter, especially. Yeah. And then you look at Malik Beasley. I don't really know what Malik's ceiling is. I mean, unless you want to talk about, you know, whatever he averaged the last, you know, 15 games, whatever it was this season. And then you look at Vassell as a really impactful two-way player. Um, I'd I'd probably say that their absolute ceiling is probably a four or a five. Yeah. um, Just because I think that that team, their potential is to be a top five offensive team in the NBA and maybe a top, maybe like in the 15 to 20 range defensively if Cat gets there. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't see, I think they'd need a, a third player, just a much more solid bench than what they have to, to really get any higher than that. Ceiling? What's not <laughs> ceiling and Jared Vanderbilt reaching their ceiling? That's, a lot of people love Jared Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has a pretty them. high ceiling, I think. Uh, but no, it's going to take a while to get there. Ceiling. Jarrett Culver, no one thinks of him right now. Yeah. But if we're talking just straight potential and everyone shooting up to the top, uh, everyone getting their full training on their NBA 2K season. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty deep bench suddenly. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair. No, that's um, a fair point. I think I it is fair. really thinking about those guys. I think, yeah, I, I still say four or five just because I think Golden State, once they get Giannis next summer. Um, <laughs> and, uh, oh, don't do that to and, me. and then you think about. When they trade Wiggins in the first round pick, yep, this Wiggins in the first. Yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about that, and then you think about the Lakers and the Clippers. Um, yeah, I'd say that the highest they could possibly conceivably get would be a four seed. Yeah, sure. And I think that's fair. And you know, if and you're... that's being hella optimistic, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Next question comes from Miguel. And he said, can you see a Malik sign-and-trade plus our pick as a ways to get a third star? And I think that Malik is the... To get a third star, I think Malik sign-and-trade is one of the most realistic options. That and a James Johnson plus assets type of move. And maybe it's Malik and James Johnson both. But I think that, yes, Malik Beasley would be our way to get a third star conceivably. Maybe it's Malik and... Jared Culver and picks or Malik and something else, but I think that's the most realistic outcome. What do you guys think about that? I think it's, uh, I think you have to look at it team by team, star by star. If we're talking about Philly, which Britt talked about on Twitter yesterday, Philly is not going to trade Ben Simmons for Malik Beasley right. and James Johnson and picks. Right. Would they trade him for D'Angelo Russell and picks? Maybe. I think that's more likely. Would Washington trade Bat Bradley Beal for D'Angelo Russell in a pick? Probably not. Would they be more interested in a Malik Beasley, Jarrett Culver, Nas Reed type deal with picks? Probably. I think they're more likely to just want to totally blow it up, yep. get a bunch of young guys and a bunch of picks. Yep. Devin Booker 
Uh, I haven't really talked about this on Twitter, but I think his bubble play has made him pretty much untouchable this summer. <laughs> yeah. But had this bubble not happened and people considered him to be more quote unquote on the market, I would imagine that they would be a little bit more win now. I think someone like a D'Lo or a Beasley uh, would be more likely. But uh, what am I trying to say? I think in Phoenix, Beasley and a lot of filler would be necessary in this yep. crazy imaginary world where uh, Booker is still on the market, which again, mm-hmm. I think his play and Phoenix's collective play have made it very unlikely for them to make any major moves this summer. Yeah, but that's that's I think going into year two of a super max yep. or a right. rookie max. Yeah, I uh, I think Beasley played well enough to make himself a big enough asset, and Gerson has shown that he is not attached to any of his own acquisitions. He's not the these are my guys type. He traded <laughs> almost any, everyone he signed last off season, and right. I I think Beasley is very much a player in the pursuit of a third star, which seems to be. I think it's the smart move, and it seems to be what they're trying to do, collect assets and try to build their own cat, and now D'Lo. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Yeah, I think I, I really liked what Tim had to say about the whole, you know, you have to think about it team by team. Um, and for me, I think that I think that Malik Beasley is probably the most common centerpiece of any trade just because I don't think the Timberwolves, at least this summer, um, I don't think the Timberwolves are going to look to to trade D'Angelo Russell by any means, no, even no, if I someone agree. like Ben Simmons becomes available, because <laughs> D'Lo and Cat have played one game together. Yeah, um, and I, I just can't imagine that that Gerson would have you know this public fawning for D'Angelo Russell that <laughs> lasts months and months and months just to have him and Cat play one game together. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I, I agree that I think that Malik is is probably the most you know likely centerpiece of a trade um but but i just don't see any quote-unquote star becoming available this summer even if even if booker was like pc i want to go to minnesota mm-hmm. uh, james jones and in phoenix have absolutely no reason to trade him no. um he has no leverage whatsoever <laughs> um, yep. he's got four years left on his contract after this year um and and with how well that they played in in the bubble, I just don't see a conceivable way that even if he demands a trade and says I'm not playing another minute for you guys, that that he gets moved. Uh, but yeah, I think you know I think Malik is 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 the most feasible way to do it. But I just don't see a star really becoming available this summer for uh, for Minnesota yeah. to go after. No, and I I agree. I tend to agree with you. I don't think that there really is anyone available but if there was i think that malik is probably the most likely outcome yeah and i think that he's a free or that uh you can use his contract to help kind of frame a trade Mm -hmm. um do you i threw it out there but this is kind of the one that i've had in the back of my mind John Wall is supposed to be back next year. Maybe they're they're not Love ready to blow it up yet. Is Beal someone that's on your guys' radar at all? Not necessarily to Minnesota, but as a potential trade piece. I want like I, I haven't read up enough. I about think so. In the state of the team, they made it to the bubble. They played horribly. Giannis headbutted Mo Wagner. It was hilarious. But uh, <laughs> what is what is the future of the Wizards? Do the, do you guys think they want to try it one more time with Wall and Beal? Do you think they're going to try to just start all over, build around Hachimura and Thomas Bryant, and try to get some new pieces and draft picks to start over? What do we I think? think 
they probably give until the trade deadline and kind of see how John looks when he comes back and kind of see how John and Bradley Beal work together. And then I think what they would want to do if it's not working is trade, well, preferably both of them, but John Wall has a massive contract, much like Chris Paul, to where it's going to be $44 million, you know, three years from now. Um, so I think they're going to stand pat and start the season, see how John Wall looks, see how Brad and John play together. But I think um, if they get an offer, I know Brooklyn is someone that's been rumored if they're throwing like, you know, like a Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie type with like, I don't know who else, some picks, Jared Allen or something, something to get Bradley Beal to the Knicks, or not the Knicks, the Nets. That's something that I've heard. But I don't think sense. he's super available right now. Unless I think he's available to the point where if they get a good trade offer, they're going to entertain it, but I don't think they're searching out trade offers for him. That's a good answer. Yeah, I think, well, the other thing that's tough, too, is is John Wall's the third highest played player in the league if you're looking at the average annual mm-hmm. value of his contract moving forward. Um, and, Who are the other two? You know what, Chris Paul? And... Uh, Damian Lillard is number one, and James Harden is number two. Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, so if, you know, if I'm Washington... I'm not trading Bradley Beal until I know what John Wall looks like because Washington could very feasibly be a four or five seed in the playoffs next year um, if if they really compete because you've got John Wall who was probably one of the five or six best point guards. Yeah, I think people forget how good John Wall was before he got hurt. Offensively and defensively, yeah. Not the best shooter, but still got to the rim. And and got a lot better And was such a good defender too. Yeah, but then you throw in how well Troy Brown's been playing in the bubble. You have a guy like Isak Bonga who's you know proven that, that mm-hmm. he can play rotational minutes. And then you look at Thomas Bryant, who seems been seemingly good. a very capable starting center in the NBA. And then Rui and Mo Wagner and have, can destroy the, uh, the Timberwolves by himself. <laughs> yeah, and then you just look at guys like Ish Smith and Shabazz Napier, two very capable backup point guards. Uh, yeah. I, I just I really think that that the Wizards. If, if everybody's healthy and is back next year that, you know, that there's definitely an argument to be made for them to be good. I mean, and, and then too, if they, I'm not a hundred percent sure if they have their own draft pick this year. Um, I was just looking, but, that up. but then like you, you throw in their draft pick and you throw in, you know, <clears throat> I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Gary Payton plays well. I mean, they're done with the Jan Mahinmi contract, uh-huh. I think Finally. after this year. Um, so it'll just be really interesting to see what they want to do outside of those two guys. Oh, and then Bertans, how can yep. I forget Bertans if they resign him? I mean, re-signed. that's, I mean, that's a pretty darn good team. Um, and so I don't think that Bradley Beal, and plus two, I like Bradley Beal's done so much in the DC community and is so tight with John Wall that I find it hard to believe that, that he would request a trade. Uh, also because he really had an opportunity to. I think it was last summer he signed a deal. Uh, he signed an extension last summer, and it was very feasible for him to not do that or to, you know, try and sign, wait, and potentially sign and sign and trade his way somewhere else. So, I think the fact that he, you know, is under contract now through 2023, I, I find the chances pretty slim that that he would, uh, or that he would, you know, request a trade out, especially yeah. since he signed the deal while John Wall was still hurt. Um, but it so. is interesting that the contract, because it was just kind of an extension off of his current contract, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was a two year, two year, seventy one million dollars. So I think it's kind of it's interesting that he signed that and didn't wait, you know. And maybe that's he wants to see what him and John can do next year. And after that, he's a free agent and he is good to go. Or he just I don't know. It's interesting either way to look at it, but for sure. That um, all makes sense. Um, thank you for tarnishing my off-season hopes, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think at this point, to give you a little bit more hope, Bradley Beal, I think, would be more available than Devin Booker would for the Timberwolves. See, I, I actually disagree with that. Really? Ooh, resident be- Devin Booker expert. Yeah, we haven't said it publicly. You've, but, you've uh, dove it in more. Devin Booker, just one of my favorite reads on the Wolves this summer. Yeah, that so was a great but, read. Continue. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm glad that I'm glad that he kind of balled out and kind of proved some of what I wrote true. But, um, but yeah, I think with Booker, um, you have a GM and James Jones who I think this is his first first year full full year as a GM, and you know I think a guy like that could be pretty mistake prone and that I don't know if he'd know exactly how to handle a star player demanding a trade because I still think the chances of Devin Booker requesting a trade out of Phoenix at some point um, are relatively high and the reason why I say that is because I think that Devin Devin knows obviously Cat and D'Lo very very well and that you know, there's going to become a point in time where the three of those guys just really, really want to play together. And yeah. there's no way that they're going to be able to do that on a team where you need to get two of them to come play. And obviously Minnesota is the most feasible of those three. Right. And I think that, I think that too, if, if Phoenix has all this momentum and energy and hype going into next year, like, Oh, the bubble, bubble bright future sons. Um, and people expect them to make the playoffs or do well in that team you know, goes sideways or downhill or DeAndre has more run-ins with diuretics and someone gets hurt or, or whatever or what have you. Um, I, I, you know, I just, it, I, I'm not ready to fully rule out Devin Booker requesting a trade to the Timberwolves and, um, and Gers, you know, giving up every conceivable asset the Timberwolves have yeah. that are not Cat and D'Lo to, to try and make it happen. Yeah. No, I think that's fair too. It's it's so interesting to see because unlike the Timberwolves, Timberwolves are expected to be bad next season by people outside of Timberwolves fandom. And the Suns, people are going to be expecting the Suns to be good next season because they had success in the bubble. And like you said, and if they it made doesn't the bubble. <laughs> Yeah, and they made the bubble. We weren't even in the bubble. So, I don't know. It's an interesting conversation yeah. for sure. And the other thing the other thing I want to mention there is is that you know, the chances of Book specifically requesting a trade to Minnesota are higher than the chances of any other star specifically requesting a trade to Minnesota. Oh, for sure. And I think that factors into it too, because if if Beal requests a trade, um, you know, Golden State, Oklahoma City, Boston are three teams that immediately stand out to me that have a ton of future assets moving forward that could very conceivably make a trade happen this summer and blow any deal that the wolves have out of the water. Right. And so I guess the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm higher on the whole Booker deal is because I think if he requests a trade, it would specifically be to Minnesota, um, which just, I think gives the wolves a tiny bit more leverage than they would have in, in any type of deal for, you know, a guy like Ben Simmons or Bradley Beal or, right. you know, any other type of star that, that would, 
somewhat feasibly request a trade this offseason. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next one. And this comes from Jalen. He asked, do you think the Nets first round pick? So that would be 17th, I think. Is it locked at 17? Do we know that it's 16 or 17? Or does playoffs factor into that at all? But either way, um, it'll be. I think it's sixteen. It'll be sixteen or seventeen, more than likely. Um, do you think that pick has any trade value? And then he said, "Or should we draft Josh Green at sixteen, seventeen? So he must really want Josh Green because I think there's other people that could be drafted at sixteen or seventeen. But what do you guys think? Do you think there's much value in that Nets pick in this quote-unquote weaker draft? I think anytime. One thing I didn't say when we were talking about the hypothetical of trading Carl Anthony Towns is I think it's a mistake when teams trade star players after a draft. Um, I think it's much more valuable for a team to trade on draft day or leading up to the draft mm-hmm. when you have an idea that you're actually going to have a high draft pick. The Wolves were able to trade Kevin Love for the guy they wanted with the number one overall pick in Andrew Wiggins. Obviously, <laughs> that didn't work out the way right. that they hoped. But, but they in got theory, the it was, they wanted. Yep. If they wanted Joel Embiid at one, they could have. I, I know it wasn't a draft day trade, but um, <clears> they they I'm could not have go into made it, too much detail. But they could have had Joel Embiid at number one if that's who they wanted. Right. Um, those talks were happening before the draft. So, uh, I if in this sense of a mid first round pick, yes, a mid first round pick always has value. It's not going to net you a star. If the Wolves are going to try to trade for a Devin Booker, obviously their top pick is going to be part of the deal. Right. Um, or any, whatever, any higher-end player. It doesn't have to be a superstar. It could mm-hmm. be just a higher-end starter. Um, but for maybe your higher-end bench player, fringe starter type player, um, yeah, you could package a deal around the 16th pick. Those picks always have value. I think we as fans, media, whatever you want to call it, uh, see this draft and think this draft is weak or whatever. I'm not really a draft guy, so I just kind of defer to people for that. But yeah, anytime the draft comes around, you always see picks 15, 16, 13, 14, whatever it might be, going uh, for something interesting, something of value, no matter what year it is, no matter how weak right. the public perceives the draft. So yes, it absolutely has value. I don't know who Josh Green is, I know. so I'm not, not going to answer the follow-up. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I would say for me, um, I think it's more likely than not that the 16, or it, it will be 17, by the way. It's it's locked in at 17. Okay. Um, I think it's more likely than not that that, that pick ends up getting traded just because I, I can't imagine that the that the Wolves would, would hold on to, you know, t- two additional rookies to bring into the fold, or three rookies, excuse me, assuming that they also make the selection at 33 right um and and i think that that pick could be you know who knows maybe it's like a malik beasley in six in 17 for a guy like karis levert i think that that would be a really interesting conversation i think that that's kind of the value that you're looking at getting if you're if you're trading some something like that i could also see it feasibly being traded for like you know james johnson and someone for like a high like a high-end starter that's not a star or anything close to it really mm-hmm. um and and I, I don't know i just th- i yeah i just don't think that that the wolves are going to bring in three additional rookies when you've got culver a kogi nas reed jalen noel 
McLaughlin, like all these young guys that you're, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't think that they, they make two first round selections. Um, unfortunately, you know, there's not really a feasible way for them to trade back. Um, I mean, Boston Boston has has picks it has 20 picks at 26 and 30, um, you know, which is somewhat interesting, but I just, yeah, I, I would be interested to see too, if they end up trading that pick for a future first and like a young guy with it, with a team like, you know, the Lakers or Toronto or maybe, maybe the Celtics, who knows? I just think that, I think that the Wolves are going to try to get back into the first round next year. And I think using the 17th pick could be a way to do that. Yeah. Um, and as it relates to Josh Green, um, I've seen Josh Green play a fair amount just with my job at Prep Hoops. I, yep. I saw him play a lot in high school. He's uh, a freshman so at Arizona, by the way, Tim. Yeah, so he's a he's a two way shooting sure, guard, small forward, wing guy. Yeah. Um, and and I I don't necessarily love Josh Green just because I'm not confident in his shooting going forward. Same. His his shooting footwork looks more like a downhill skiers like pizza. Yep. When you're trying to stop, yeah, to go down the hill, then then it does like a, a an NBA jump shooter. But um, yeah, I think that you know he's a really rock solid defensive player, and I think he's gonna you know I I forget who it was that um, that mentioned. I think it was Tyler Metcalf that mentioned that you know he sees him as a guy that could just be a part of some really good lineups for mm-hmm. a long time, and I think that's probably a good way to describe him. Um, but I just think that the Wolves need to. I don't know, find somebody with really dependable skills, like really solid NBA level skills that you can build off of. And I feel like Josh Green is pretty good at a lot of things, but isn't necessarily NBA ready at one thing. Um, And I think that's stuff that you're noticing with some of these rookies that are starting to stand out like a Darius Baisley, um, who's just like a very solid NBA ready scorer and has an NBA ready body. And I think that when you have, things like that that you can build off of her like brandon clark very very nba ready defense or rebounder and and defensive player i think if like if you can build off of those two things you you can have yourself a really good pick um and i I just don't see that with josh green right away um but definitely would not be surprised if you know we if we did hold on to 17 that we would end up selecting him yeah i'm I'm gonna add on to that jack i think you're on the right track I don't think that they keep two first-round picks. Um, and I also don't think they trade back, especially considering they have 33. Yep. The 30th pick, while obviously a very valuable pick in that it's a first-round pick, it's also a guaranteed contract for that guy. And when you have 33 anyway, yep. you don't necessarily have to throw money at a guy. Uh, those picks are – early first or second-round picks are pretty highly coveted and um, in yeah. a different way that late first-round picks are. And you think um, about – you're probably – there's a good chance you're getting the same person you wanted at 33 that you would take at 30 anyways. And now you don't have to throw a guaranteed contract at them. So I get get where you're coming from. Yeah. I think I just adding to the overarching point, I think it's just not just as likely. I think it's more likely that they deal 17 than they deal whatever pick they get. um, I agree from their actual pick. However, depend, I think they're going to be entertaining uh, both picks with the same level of intensity. Um, I assume that the package and the plan that they go with will be more in line with keeping the higher pick and yep. going with a more high-end rookie. Uh, 
if a guy of a higher caliber in a trade comes along, they're going to trade three or whatever pick it ends up being, yep. um, the third lottery selection, uh-huh. and keep may, potentially keeping 17, maybe trading both, whatever. Obviously, every scenario is on the table, uh, but I totally agree that uh, two first-round picks is the least likely scenario. Yeah, and yeah. I'll add to that, too. I think this draft, as there's not like a bunch of star um, talent throughout, obviously, as people are saying, it's weak, but some of these teams that don't have a first-round draft pick, like the 76ers, um, they need shooting if they want to trade a future first-round draft pick and get the Wolves 17 so they can just take a shooter at 17, be let it be Tyrell Terry or whoever it is, to get themselves a shooter at 17 to add some of that onto their team. So like a team with a specific need, you can get a player like that at 17, but you're not getting a future like building block. So I think the I think the pick has trade depending on what team is calling about it. I like it. I agree. All right. Now, uh, this one's from uh, at Pav Drew on Twitter. He asked, would you rather have a lineup with Malik Beasley or try and do a sign and trade to get Van Vliet as our third star? Go for it, Tim. <laughs> I love Fred Van Vliet. I'm going to preface it with that. As he do had I. a career year. He started this year. He played mm-hmm. wonderfully, averaged 18 and 7 or something like that. He was a big reason why... There didn't seem to be as much drop-off as I think a lot of people expected after Kawhi went to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I love Fred Van Vliet. Um, and I also am of the camp that thinks that now is the perfect time to trade Malik Beasley because we don't really know what the future holds for him. I think there's a strong possibility he's an excellent scorer and that what he did with the Timberwolves isn't going to be unlike what he is <laughs> in a full 82-game season. <clears throat> Um, with that said, um, I would love to, um, see what the future holds for Beasley. Um, but I think if I had the choice, I'd be, I'd be, if I were Gerson Rosas, I'd be entertaining trades for Beasley. Like it was crazy. Um, and I would be trying to find an upgrade basically. Um, I don't think Fred Van Vliet would be very high on my list. Um, and that's not a knock on Fred Van Vliet. It's more a fit issue. It's more a uh, matter of how he works next to D'Angelo Russell. It's a matter of how much better is he really than Malik Beasley. It's a matter of how many assets you'd have to give up to make that kind of trade work. Mm -hmm. If I'm trading Malik Beasley in a big sign-in trade, I don't know how good a team with a trio of Fred Van Vliet, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns is. Um, right. We were talking about ceilings before. The ceiling for that team, I don't think, is high enough to package what I would, what I assume would be Beasley and assets for him. And I, um, so as much as I love Van Vliet, I would not. That trade does not interest me I if th- I am Gerson Rosas. I think Van Vliet would be a, or I think Van v- Van Vliet is a better player than Malik Beasley, but yeah, he I is agree. probably going to demand north of twenty million dollars this offseason. Does that seem? realistic and Malik Beasley's not going to demand that much money this offseason he might demand some but it will be less than Malik Beasley and is Fred Van Vliet worth giving up assets for and also taking on more salary and I think my answer would be no but I do really like Fred Van Vliet but 
I don't think that I, was a trade I would do. So, so, and this is something that I talked about with Dane when, you know, in our most recent pod, when we talked mm-hmm. about Fred Van Vliet, and I'll, and I'll mention it again, is that my problem with Fred Van Vliet is that um, if you're going to commit $25 million, or let's call it what, let's call it 25. If you're going to commit $25 million to Fred Van Vliet, like you're committing almost two max contracts to two point guards, essentially. Um, and I think D'Lo and Fred Van Vliet would pay, play very well together, and and would be a, and would be a great fit. Um, but I think if you're going to spend another, you know, twenty-five million dollars on a guy, I think it needs to be a position that the Timberwolves don't really have covered. And I think uh-huh. that just stands out to me as you know a small for- or shooting guard or a small forward, mm-hmm. um, or just a wing a wing player. Um, and so I guess that's, that's why I'm not quite as high on, on trading for Fred Van Vliet, even though I love him and he's one of, you know, my mm-hmm. favorite, you know, in my favorites bin, uh, among NBA players. I think that's but... a big bin. What? I think that's a big bin. Your favorites bin. You got a lot of favorites. Yeah, I do have, I, I don't know. I just like love basketball. I love getting excited about a lot of good guys players. that are good oh, at basketball. Um, right. I'm an optimist. I don't know, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think I'd rather have a lineup with Malik Beasley in it, if we're, if we're just comparing those two, um, just because I think that you know there's still a chance that Malik Beasley only gets like twelve million dollars a year, and I think that that would be a fantastic number for Malik. Right. But if you're looking at Malik as like a fifteen, sixteen, seventeen million dollar guy, which I don't think will happen, um, then I think you're looking at a different conversation because I think it would be difficult for Malik to. <clears throat> become a positive asset again before the end of that deal unless he you know continues to put up you know at least 20 a game on 40 yeah. percent three-point shooting right. but i think that there's going to be some regression to the mean and because of that um it's just going to be tough for malik to be more of a positive asset than he is right now pre next contract and i think you're exactly right tim that that the wolves are going to the wolves are going to take calls on Malik like crazy just to see what they see what his market is and uh-huh. feel that out. For sure. All right. Last question before we get into some trivia. So Jake Larson um, asked, he said, we always have struggled at the four position, which is pretty much true. Um, he said, who's an ideal player we can realistic realistically get for that position to fit alongside cat and our offense. Giannis. Next question. <laughs> Um, I don't know if that's fair. I mean, I don't know if there's an ideal person we can realistically get that fits every single thing we need. I don't know if we can realistically get one without trading cat. And then if you trade cat, now everything changes. I think we need to look at the way cat plays on this team. Uh, in the past, positionally, defensively, Taj Gibson was the center on the Timberwolves. He guarded the interior he yep. generally guarded the centers he got a very Yogic good defensive the team well, they were a good defensive team when jamal crawford wasn't on the floor in their yep. good year or whatever but uh i don't think i don't know I, I think the one thing that we need to look at when it comes to how to pair a big next to cat isn't necessarily trying to find the perfect four i think it's more trying to find the perfect big. player um yeah part of that is going to probably be uh, someone with some agility and some versatility and ability to swap positions. Obviously, defense is a huge component. Whether or not you think Cat's going to become a plus defender, I'm still I still have hope that he is. Yeah. Um, 
at one point in his career. Uh, I think it's incredibly important that no matter what you end up doing with Cat defensively, whether you continue to try to build him as the rim-protecting center or if you tried to bring in um, someone else to do that job, it needs to be a guy that can mix and match and play both the four and the five. Um, Obviously, shooting would be a plus. The Wolves now have a lot of good three-point shooting. I think you can sacrifice that a little bit. It's it's kind of a lazy answer, but really just versatile defense. I think those are the two big things. And rebounding would be a nice... Uh, addition to all of that. Yep. I don't know what player that is. Again, Giannis checks all those boxes, but yep. um, I don't. I don't know what the actual. Answer I think is. like a Jeremy Grant and stuff. And we've talked about Jeremy Grant up and down, and I don't know what his contract situation is going to look like and stuff. Um, but I think he's someone that, if you could get him, he would be a really unique fit. And then there's other people, but realistically, for the Wolves, you you can't get too much. Um, at that four spot, probably. That's going to fit every single need you have, and you're going to have to specify which need you think is most important. Do you think defense is most important, or do you think shooting is most important? It's going to come down to picking, um, you know, the lesser of two evils for someone not having, I guess. Yeah, for me, um, for me, I tend to err on the side of our four guy should be more of a defensive player um, just because if you have D'Lo, Malik, and then Josh, and then you know, a a more defensive minded four with, I think, some offensive capability, and then Cat, I think that that's probably the best way to go just because I the Timber so the Timberwolves were second points per game after the trade deadline and Cat played in one game. Right. I don't think that this team is going to struggle to score like it did for the you know so first, what first fifty games or whatever it was. Um and because of that, I think that I think that you have to start focusing more on defense because if you can at least protect the rim at a somewhat league average rate, I think that you're going to have a much easier time winning games and staying out of foul trouble and, you know, just get a more engaged and locked in cat because he doesn't have to guard two players at once. Like he too often did this past year in the post and drop coverage and, and stuff like that. So for me, the guy that the guy that I looked at or I'm looking at as kind of the ideal fit that you could potentially get for a cheaper rate and see him become more of a positive asset earlier on is Chris Boucher of the Raptors. Yep. Um, he's a backup center. He's a little older. Um, just he's like because 25 I think he's five or seven, something. 27, I think he's like maybe. 27 because he went to, I think he went to community college or Juco before he went to Oregon. Yeah. He's 27. He'll turn 28 next season. But um, yeah, he's six, nine. He's got huge wingspan, really solid interior defensive player that defends the pick and roll well, um, but also can step out beyond the three-point line and shoot threes. Um, Shot 32% from three this year, but, you know, he's had some games where he's made five or six threes. Um, So the the capability for him to shoot is definitely there, and if he's open, he's not afraid to shoot it and and knock shots down, but really rangy, versatile guy defensively that can can guard multiple positions. so I think I think a guy like that would be fun. Obviously, we've talked about Jeremy Grant, um, but I, I think that 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 Boucher might be a more realistic uh, might be more yeah. realistic option. Right. 
I agree with you there. And, you know, it, it could come down to Jared Vanderbilt reaching somewhat of his potential, and maybe he's the ideal fit next to Cat, too. I mean, Jake Painting was just tweeting about it this morning, you know, giving Vanderbilt some minutes and seeing how it works out. Obviously, you know, we've heard everybody thinks that Gerson Rosas will not play another big next to Carl Anthony Towns, and I don't think that's true. I, I mean, they put Jordan Bell out there some before, you know, injuries happened and everything. And Jordan Bell wasn't the greatest fit because he wasn't a shooter and he didn't have much offensively, but they tried it, and I think they'll still be willing to try something. I don't think it's going to be a undersized four necessarily. Well, and, I mean, on the Jordan Bell front, <laughs> I'm a little biased towards Jordan Bell because I loved him in Golden State. But I love I think Jordan Bell too. The best-case version of Jordan Bell isn't off from the ideal partner next to Cat. Right. Jordan Bell I agree. is extremely agile mm-hmm. can guard the four and the five and the runs two. like a gazelle for a bit yep. extremely athletic good shot blocker and a solid rebounder right that's exactly what you want next to cat obviously you'd want to add some three-point shooting or at least a little bit more offensive mm-hmm. touch um yeah but we never got that from jordan bell i think part of that is playing time part of that maybe his best case scenario that we saw in golden state was a um we were seeing that because he was on the Golden State Warriors. Right. And they were you know, a well-oiled machine, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think that type of player is far off from the ideal partner in a cat. I also don't think Taj Gibson was all that far off from. I don't an think ideal so either. Cat. A little more athleticism, and Taj is what you want. Right. Um, a younger an Taj, actual corner three, not one that he invents at age thirty-three, mm-hmm. um, is also ideal. But like, there have been people that have played next to him that have been close but yep finding the perfect guy next to cat has not happened yet i don't mm-hmm. think it's impossible but there are guys out there i like the boucher idea yeah no and i think too that that like you said tim the the jordan bell kind of archetype is, is what they're looking for next to cat and that's really the only type of two big scenario that the wolves really tried to play all year um and 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 i think that that's going to be an interesting one to monitor moving forward um, it's unfortunate that Jordan Bell didn't work because I would have I would have loved to see more of that and and see him succeed more just because I I loved watching him play at Oregon and, and in Golden State, um, but like Boucher played with Jordan Bell at yep. Oregon and, and those two killed people on defense, um, so it's they're kind of similar in that in that mold but but like you're like you were saying Tim I think that Boucher offers a little bit more offensively. Uh, especially from behind the three-point line, that could that could be useful to the Wolves moving forward. Yeah, so. and I don't want to get too far into this, but, I mean, it could be someone in the draft, too. Maybe the ideal player comes out of the draft and we hit on a power forward. I mean, could just, it could very well happen. Not I know it's not well, a perfect but... fit, but James Wiseman intrigues the hell out of me for um, those types of reasons. Yeah, and just I think Okongwu intrigues and athleticism me more. But... And all that stuff. I, we haven't seen enough of him, but... Yeah. He's the most intriguing of the guys that I know of, which there's about 10 of them that I know <laughs> about in this year's drafts. He is the most uh, intriguing mystery guy for me personally. Yeah. yeah, I think I think people have really overanalyzed um, the like four college games that he played in in, sure. his, in his defense. Um, all I know is that he has the most incredible physical profile uh-huh. of anybody in the draft. And when you're looking at a guy who's seven, one has like a seven, six wingspan is built like a brick house yep. is really and athletic agile. and yep. finishes well around the rim. Mm-hmm. And also like, is just hard to move defensively. Um, 
it's it's definitely intriguing for sure i'd i'd say that's a that's a, that's a great way to look at it mm-hmm. and and i think there's a reason why a lot of people on nba draft twitter are a lot lower on wiseman than like you see sam vicini from the athletic who's his board is more constructed by like talking to mm-hmm. talking to right. people in the nba uh-huh. and wiseman is continually pretty high on that and i think that there's there's a reason for that and i think it's because most people are kind of thinking the same way that you are tim and just that like that combination is is pretty rare and could yep. be could be fun to build with i agree and i think draft twitter too i mean maybe i kind of fall into that but you kind of want to be right about someone not being good too if you, you know yeah, you say james Wiseman's not good and then two years down the line you're like i told you he wasn't gonna be good so I, and people like to do stuff like that and i might even fall mm-hmm. into that bin a little bit too but i think that's why i fell out of trying to hit on the draft or even yeah. really pay close attention. I am much more intrigued by the mystery of rookies. Cause when it comes down to it, it what is just percentage a mystery. top five picks end up being top five pick worthy by the end. I don't know. It's just, yeah. I'm not knocking Sam Pacini. I think he's a fantastic writer and you know, a lot of really, really well-researched NBA draft folks. Dane's done a great job with, uh, Edina high school graduate Wildeberg, yep. um, on the day more podcast about, um, a bunch of, really interesting prospects but uh, i don't know personally i love the mystery of it but we, yeah. we don't have to go down that rabbit hole yeah i think for me i've started to look into it more one because we're in the middle of a pandemic and, and i just have a lot of free totally fair. And, <laughs> and it's just like another thing that i can do for fun um but two kind of it's like it's all we've ever known is just like getting excited about the yep. next guy that the wolves can draft and i mm-hmm. think for me trying to have more of like an informed like oh i'd be really excited if we drafted this guy yeah and that's kind of how i'm at it's kind of it's kind of like what's powered me to like look into it at at like a not deep at all level but like Mm -hmm. deeper than just oh i'm I'm kind of aware of who that guy is. that's like like when we drafted josh akogi a couple years back and everybody's Mm -hmm. like i don't even know who the heck this guy is so everybody's trying to like look up like who it is Mm -hmm. and you know kyle ratke they did a big like draft profile on 40 prospects or something and josh akogi wasn't one of them so they're like scrambling (laughs) to like figure out who he is and what he does so but that's why those nba draft people are so important because you can find it we had a wolf among wolves podcast pre brendan and we called on oh boy can't remember his name off the top of my head but he gave us a great profile on akogi um i mean that's why the uh people that cover the draft so well are so invaluable during that time right anyway all right. Well, that that'll do it for the question and answer um, portion. Now we're gonna get into the trivia. And Tim, you got the questions ready? No, was I supposed to? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I knew you're joking. So, Kinda. I'm very excited about this. Each of you have. Okay, explain it a little bit. Yeah, explain so, it a little bit. So, for full context, Brennan, you already talked about it, but uh, a couple weeks ago, you had David Naylor and myself yep. on. We did some trivia. I kicked David's ass. Yep. It was great. Yeah. Um, as a, a result, I don't know if it was as a result of that or if it was already in your head, but you asked on the Wolf Among Wolves uh, Slack or Twitter. It's just a DM group on Twitter. Well, what happened was you guys started quizzing me at the end, and then David said we oh, should get some so younger fun. people. So then that's kind of what we decided to um, do. Yeah, and it's I, I've I've acquired enough trivial knowledge about the Timberwolves over my time covering them and just being a fan that. Um, having a couple uh, well-informed, smart Timberwolves bloggers, writers that uh, are still in college 
which yeah. I just found out. Um, just just a lot of fun to do. I love trivia. That's what it comes down to. Bar trivia pre-quarantine yeah. is a lot of fun. So um, while I don't think anyone's drinking in this podcast right now, water. I coffee, but, um, <laughs> love me some trivia. So let's just, we're going to test the knowledge of our host and our guest. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> wait, before uh, we start though, Jack, are you still 21 too? Are we the same age? Yeah, I, I turned 22 here in about two weeks. Okay, so weeks. Jack's older than me. So still, I am the youngest person. But around. you're both you're, you're both 21. Yep. Wow. Okay. Well, Jack, or you both turned 21 pre-shutdown, though, right? You got um, correct. No, I turned oh, 21 wow. in April. Oh, yeah, man, that's brutal. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, we <laughs> let's uh, let's jump into it. So right. I tried to make it so the questions got get progressively more difficult. There is a final bonus question i've allotted five points for it okay if either of you get it you deserve every point that it's worth is every um, other question just worth one then every, there we'll get into it but there okay. is one question in the middle where one is worth six points and one is worth seven the one that's worth seven has more pieces okay. and i think is also harder okay but otherwise they're all worth one point all right uh, i will be keeping tabs on the point totals and okay. we'll see how you guys do are we just um, alternating back and forth then? It's snake style. So okay. let's see. We have, I think Uh-oh. we have, we have our host Brendan going first, Alrighty. and then Jack, and then Jack will have back-to-back questions and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Does that sound good? Yep. We understand. Great. I'm ready. All right. Do we need to virtually shake hands, or are we feeling good? <laughs> I'm feeling We're good. We're feeling good. All right. Here we go. So Brendan Headkey. Shoot. There are three players that the Timberwolves have drafted outright, as in not traded for on draft night, okay, uh, not acquired later on, that have made the NBA All-Star team with the Timberwolves. Okay, Kevin Garnett is one. Yep. Carl Anthony Towns is another. Who is the third? Oh, my God. An All-Star game with the Wolves. We're drafted specifically with the Timberwolves. That is correct. This might not be as hard as I'm making it. Um. Do you know, Jack? I feel like you know. I have I have one guess in mind, but actually, um, let's back up. While you're thinking, do you guys want to give each other the ability to steal if you yeah. don't get it? Yeah. Okay, we're gonna have stealing. Okay, fantastic. Um, well, I'm trying. You're still up, my friend. Sorry. Um, I'm trying to think of. I quizzed you guys and asked who had all won or got in the all-star game when David and you were going, and now I don't remember any of the, the players. Um, I'm going to go, I don't even know if we drafted him, but Wally Zerbiak. That is correct. Okay. Very okay. good. I was. That was not my guess. My guess was going to be Doug West. Doug West uh, was never an NBA all-star. But yeah, that game. was my, because I know he had, he had like, I think he might have averaged like 18 he or 19 points seasons. a game mm-hmm. one year, and that was kind of my my guess but it's a good guess not the correct answer um love me some doug west but let's go on to jack's question all right it is all-star related as well Ooh. kevin garnett made his first all-star appearance in 1997 but who was the first timberwolf to join him in an nba all-star game i sam cassell i think when the one the one year he was an all star would be my would be my guess. That is incorrect. Brendan, you have an opportunity to steal. 
Um, okay. Um, oh, it's isn't it Tom Gugliata? That is correct. Yeah. Tom Gugliata. Was that the same the, the year after? 98 or 97. I can't remember off okay. the top of my head. However, it was in the 90s. Okay. Sam Dude. Cassell was an all-star in 2004 with Kevin Garnett. I just assumed that the Timberwolves, everybody and, else was so bad <laughs> that like nobody yeah. else would have gotten there until... It's, that's, that's the common assumption. So. But remember, remember that when Kevin Garnett was a Timberwolf, they did not make the playoffs his rookie year, but then made it every year from... The 96 97 season up to 2004. So, and he was an all star every our, year. Our definition until he got of bad, traded. I think, has been altered a little bit by the post KG era. However, yeah. they, oh, were, 100%. they were solid in the Kevin Garnett mm-hmm. era. Um, Jack, you have another question now. All right. Who was the first ever Timberwolves player to win rookie of the year? Dear Lord. Um, I don't even know. I should have got some, like Jeopardy music in the background ready for this. Man, I I have no idea, to be brutally honest with you. Um, and to be honest, like I'm not a great Timberwolves historian. Um, That's why this trivia is so much fun for me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Um, I'd guess Googs, to be honest. Tom Guglietta is incorrect. Brandon, do you have, a, this... do you have an opportunity to steal? I feel like this is kind of a curveball, and I feel like we didn't have. I'm gonna go Andrew Wiggins. Like I feel like that was the first one. Did we have one Brendan before that? Is three for three. Let's go! Wow. Because who won? Who won KG's rookie year? Rookie of the year. KG in KG's rookie year. Who won that? Uh, KG's rookie year. Yep. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. That is later on in this. Okay. Trivia. Okay. 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 Brendan. You have an opportunity to go up 4-0. Jack, you're... I, I, dude, you've crushed me in trivia it, twice this now. This isn't like okay, a, but it, a Wolf Among Wolves versus Candace Hoopus conspiracy. Oh, no. It's just... It's just uh, um, we, we did not feed Brendan the answers beforehand. Jack, quick, oh, not at all. Quick, I, um, I quizzed them. Trivia. I quizzed David and Tim in last pod about the starting lineup from... Uh, the, the beginning of the season, like I did you, and they did just as bad. So, oh, oh, oh hold on, hold on. Okay, <laughs> it took a while. It took a while. Yeah, I think I think I ended up getting three or four. Yeah. by the end of it, I I don't. They really forgot remember, Robert Covington but... for the longest while too, and then Travion Graham was the really the really bad one. But, but I think but I got like, all of them except Travion Graham. By yeah. The end yeah. Of it. I got My initial answer was horrible, though. It was like <laughs> Wiggs, Cat, Jeff Teague, yeah. and that was it. Rocco's like one of my favorite Wolves players ever, and it took me forever to remember him. I, anyway. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> uh, Brendan. All right. In 2003, the NBA was introduced to LeBron James, yep. Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and what late first-round Timberwolves draft pick? 2003. We're kicking it back a little bit. Um, because the Wolves were good the year before, so it'd be late. You said late first round. I don't even know. I don't even have a guess. Like, I don't know if this. I have no idea even if this is the right time period. I'm gonna go with like Randy Foy. That is incorrect. Jack, you have an opportunity to get on the board. All right, I'm. And I'm thinking... not gonna ask how old you guys were in 2003. Four. God. So part of me wants to say Rashad McCants, 
but I feel like Rashad McCants might have been a year. That might have been like 2005 or 2006. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how to pronounce Ndubi Ebby's name. I don't know if that's the right way to pronounce it, but that's going to be my guess. Indy Eby is the name you were thinking of, and that is correct. I looked it Jack up after I guessed. He's yeah. on the board. I would have never guessed Indy that. Eby, who as of last year was, fun fact, still playing overseas. Oh, wow. Still had a long-term overseas wow. career. Wow, impressive. Not sure I love if he's still playing, but very impressive. Um, Jack, now you have an opportunity to uh, uh, back build on your momentum here a little bit. In 2009, the Timberwolves had four first-round picks. They kept three of them. They kept Ricky Rubio. They kept Johnny Flynn, and they kept Wayne Ellington. They traded one. Who was the one player that they did trade in a, and this is a hint, a point guard heavy draft? Uh, Ty Lawson. Ty Lawson is correct. Yep. That's good. The score is now four to two. Ooh. I don't think you guys have got, there hasn't been a single question where neither of you have gotten it. So that's pretty impressive. So far, so good. I wouldn't have guessed Ty Lawson, I don't think. I yeah, one I, I I was completely blank until you said point guard heavy draft. That was what I would have guessed that like brought me back a little bit. I would have probably guessed like Darren Collison or Jeff Teague or something. Oh sure, sure, sure. Um Jack, this is the six point question. You get a point for each person you name correctly. Oh, God. oh boy, okay. <laughs> name all five Timberwolves acquired in the Kevin Garnett trade, and you get a bonus point. If you can name the player that was eventually drafted from the pick they acquired in that trade. Okay. That player did play for the Timberwolves for a few years. All right. So um, Al Jefferson is one, obviously. Yep. I want to say, was Ricky Davis another one? I'm going to have you just name okay. five guys. Okay. Um, Al Jefferson, Ricky Davis... Uh, Randy Foy, um, and then you said that there was a draft pick. I man, I I don't even know to be honest with you. Maybe like you said, two thousand nine. Well, this right. is he was traded in two thousand seven. Two thousand seven, and okay. When was the draft pick? The draft pick was made. I, don't know, I might give it away. The draft pick was made in two thousand nine. Okay. So shoot. Okay. So I'm going to guess Ty Lawson or no, cause he didn't play with the Timberwolves. So I'm going to guess Johnny Flynn and then man, another, another player or two that, that we might've had that was on the Celtics from like, Oh man. Um, maybe like, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of I'm kind of out right there. So my my guesses are Al Jefferson, Ricky Davis, Randy Foy, Johnny Flynn, and then so I have one more player I need. You have two. Two more players. Shoot. One guy acquired well, two more guys acquired in the trade. Because okay. you're with Johnny Flynn. Um Yeah, I'm out. I have no more guesses. I I don't really remember super well to be quite honest with you <laughs> so jack you received one point 
before that. Al Jefferson was acquired in the trade. Randy Foy and Ricky Davis and Ty Lawson were not. Okay. Brendan. Um, Sebastian Telfair was one. Yep. And dunk contest champion Gerald Green was one. And I don't know who the – he didn't get the draft pick, right? He did not get the draft pick. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go with Wayne Ellington on the draft pick. And then I don't know players. Um, Davis wasn't one of them. Okay. Uh, I thought for sure Ricky Davis was one of them, but I'm looking at them now and I'm kind of frustrated. Was Ryan, that Go- was Ryan Gomes one of them? That's my last guess. I don't know other than that. That was a, that was a great performance by you right there. <laughs> Who did I miss? So, oh. The, in 2007, the Timberwolves traded Kevin Garnett and received Al Jefferson. Yep, and I knew that, but Jack had gotten that one. Gerald Green, yep. Ryan Gomes, Sebastian Telfair, Theo Ratliff, mm. oh, and Ellen- a pick that turned eventually into Wayne Ellington. Oh, so I got the pick right. I, I had a one out of three shot on the pick, and Not he already got one of them. So bad, Brendan. Uh, <sighs> I went so to Theo Ratliff, though. Jack, you might be a little frustrated by this next one, because this question is worth seven points. Okay. <laughs> Name every player except for Wally Zerbiak in the trade that sent Wally Zerbiak to Boston. Is this mine? This is yours, Brendan. So, Davis. And there's seven people that... Both Wally... teams. There were oh, multiple players oh, oh, sent oh. to both teams, so you can name as many players as you want. Wally Zerbiak. Um, Ricky Davis. I don't know this trade as well as the KG trade. Those are my only two guesses, honestly. I don't think I know any other ones. Oh, hold on. Antoine Walker, was he one, too? That would be my last one. He was not one. Okay. You got Ricky Davis and Wally Zerbiak. All right. Correct. So I have, no, I have no more guesses. Absolutely no idea. Jack, you have a chance. This is a tough one, but you have a chance to steal six points. <laughs> um. All right. So I know that Michael Olo-Candy was part of it. Um. Thinking like Mark Blount. Is that a guy that played for the Timberwolves back in the day that was maybe a part of that? Mark, Mark Blunt is a person. Okay. Um, I'm just like trying to think of guys who played for the Timberwolves back then. What year was this in? This is in 2006 or 2005. Good Lord. Um, 2006. I just looked him up. I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have got anybody else. No matter how long I thought about it. <laughs> Doesn't mean Brendan or Jack won't be able. No, to. no, Jack. Jack surely could. I just. I'm thinking there know. was a guy named like Dwayne, like Jackson or Jones or something like that that was involved. I don't know why that name is sticking out to me right now. Other than that, like that's. I mean, and then of course Ricky Davis. Like other than that, I can't. I can't think of any. That's my. Those are my answers. Jack, you stole three points. That wasn't bad. Yeah, that you was got impressive. Michael Olawakandi, yep. Mark Blunt, and Dwayne Jones, who played like three games for the Timberwolves, and I believe <laughs> is now an assistant coach in the NBA. Uh, played at St. John's, I believe, with Jameer Nelson. Very okay. well done. 
The only uh, reason I know that is because I feel like like one of my weird I was doing a podcast with some buddies from elementary school and we talked about we talked about the uh we talked about the Wally Zerbiak and KG era of the Wolves and we talked about like how the Celtics made two trades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm like before yep. we started so that was there we go okay the the other players that were missed much more obscure marcus banks a point guard who actually got at the time a sizable contract extension with the wolves because he played very well with the wolves after the trade uh didn't spend much time with the wolves after i think they traded him to phoenix where he kind of fizzled out and justin reed who was a small forward defensive guy didn't last very long i think sadly passed away not too long ago but that is it. And there was a draft. Uh, Wally Zerbiak, Michael Olacandy, Dwayne Jones, Ricky Davis, Mark Blunt, Marcus Banks, and Justin Reed. There wasn't a. I thought there was a future draft pick in that too. There was. I don't know who that would have turned into, but uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I didn't add that in there. Yeah. All right. Um, Brendan. Okay. This next one is again for you. All right. Jimmy Butler, General Soreness himself. <laughs> yep, General Soreness. <laughs> A Marquette product spent his second to last year. I don't know if he spent all four years at Marquette or not, but it was his second to last year at Marquette deferring to a star player who ended up being a Timberwolves first round draft pick. Name that player. Oh God. I should know this. I feel like Jack knows this one and I'm not going to get it. Um, He's Jack's really stoic when he's thinking about it. He's just very not, intense. He doesn't I put talk, his emotions I on talk his sleeve. It. Um, he must be tough as a competitor. So this other person was at Marquette when Jimmy Butler was there, you're saying? That is correct. Okay. Because um, in the NBA, Jimmy Butler doesn't defer to anyone. So I can't even think of any Marquette players besides Butler and... Well, now I'm second-guessing. Dwayne Wade went to Marquette, didn't he? He went to Marquette. Okay, but they're not in the same time period, so. And then Timberwolves first round draft pick, too. That just throws a whole nother wrench into the plan. So Jimmy was drafted in, I think, 2011-ish, something like that, around that time period. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't even formulate a guess on that not even a guess no okay jack you have an opportunity to steal so did you say the player was a first round pick he was a first round pick and and i have some i have a little background after after we talk about this person good god dude what on earth everybody i was thinking of around the time period that got drafted i was like they didn't go to marquette that's why i couldn't even formulate a guess Dude, what in the hell? I like I, I know that Darius Johnson Odom was on the team at the same time as Jimmy Butler, but I also know that Darius Johnson Odom was a second round pick. Um I also know I don't think that Jay Crowder played with him, but I mean, golly, what on earth? Um because in the season, what was that? In twenty eleven, didn't the Wolves take Derek Williams? Yeah. No, so yeah. it wouldn't have been that year. God, and Derek Williams man. is from Arizona anyways. So, yeah, I just like, I feel like it was a player that like didn't come out 
for a while. Yeah, and they couldn't have. Uh, it doesn't mean they were drafted in the same year, I guess either. I don't know why I'm helping you, but I'm yeah, I had question again in Jimmy Butler's second to last okay. year in at Marquette, as in not the year he came out. He deferred to a Timberwolves first round draft pick. Okay. Man. Um, so Jimmy Butler played at Marquette, I think. And what did you give a year? No. Okay. Shoot. Um, I'm looking it up. My goodness. Yeah, I. I have no idea, man. Um, I would say maybe like Dwight Bikes or something like that. Um, that's that's or maybe like I don't know. Well, um, oh. he was a big guy. Oh my goodness! Um, I think the did the Wolves trade for him. I think it was uh, Lazar Hayward. That is correct. Yeah, I just looked it up too. Sorry, in 2010, 2010, David Kahn traded back into the first round to give a guaranteed contract with a 30th overall pick to Lazar Hayward, a guy that was expected to be available in the second round. A A classic. One of many (laughs) David Kahn head scratchers, which brings me back to my how valuable are super late first round picks really when you have to give a guaranteed salary to a guy that you could give less money to if you take them just one pick later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our Hayward. Circle. Very well done, Jack. Yeah, my dad went to Marquette. He, my dad went to Marquette High School, and he went to Marquette for the first year of college. Okay. Uh, so he still, he still roots for Marquette, and so Doesn't, I spent a good, uh, good deal of time watching Marquette when Champlin, I was – Champlin Park oh, yeah. product. Um, Theo John. Theo John goes to Marquette. Marquette. Yeah. Yeah, and former De La Salle guy. Shout out the island. Yeah. Um, Car Anum was a was a starter for for Marquette uh, this past year. Cool. So fun connection there. Yeah, we don't get college prospects from my high school, so <laughs> not D one anyways. The score as it stands is Brendan with nine. Okay. And Jack with seven. It is Ooh. anybody's ball game right now. I thought now. Jack it's was two leading. Questions each to go, and then the bonus question for five. <laughs> so how, I don't know okay. if you guys are Harry Potter people, but the this last question is like turning into the snitch. This could just decide it for you guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jack, you are up. Kevin Garnett spent his last Timberwolves season of his first stint, obviously, when he was still a star player, and I'm not going to give the year, with what top 10 pick rookie taking over as his second option? With what Timberwolves? What did you say? With what Timberwolves? In Kevin Garnett's last year, we could even call it two years, really. What top 10 pick rookie or top 10 pick Wolves selection took over as a notable second option for the Timberwolves? Brendan looks ready to steal. Not as good at keeping his emotions on his sleeve in the heat of competition. Man. Um, Did the Wolves, like, can I ask a question? Like, did the Wolves select this player? It's complicated. Know. It's complicated. Okay. Um, 
Brandon, can I give him, can I answer that question with a little more detail? Do I have your permission? Sure. sure. This player did not wear a Timberwolves cap on draft night. Man. I, oh man, I like, I have a couple different guys in my mind. Um, um, I would, I would probably say Ricky Davis would be my guess. Um, yeah, yeah, lock it in, Ricky Davis, final answer. Ricky Davis was not a Timberwolves draft selection. He was traded for Wally Zerbiak. Uh, that is incorrect. Brendan, wait, 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 wait. So you said, I thought you said that they didn't wear a Timberwolves hat on draft night. They didn't. Right, but he was a rookie with the Timberwolves. Does that make oh, sense? Okay, 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 okay. That makes sense. Okay, did, so did I not give enough? Uh, did I not no, give I, enough, uh, context? No, I, I, I was, I was, I was confused by that. I would, I would have had a different answer, but it's okay. That's oh, oh, hold on, hold on. No, no, that's my fault. That's the, my fault. That's my fault. I got it wrong. I got I was it wrong. Say the competitor has the option to let him guess again because the. The trivia host maybe didn't ask that question properly. It's up to you, Brendan. No, go for it, Brendan. That was okay. my bad. I got it wrong. Okay, so I believe this player wore a Boston Celtics hat, and this is what we were talking about earlier. If I'm correct, it's Randy Foy. Was he? Is that the player? Is it Randy Foy? Did he the not answer wear Randy Foy? Did he however, wear he did not wear a Celtics hat. hat. What he was he... traded for Brandon Roy in a swap on draft night. Oh, why was I thinking mm-hmm. Celtics? Did he wear a Celtics hat? I don't think he did. Maybe, I believe they were swapped just straight up for each I'm other. Anyway, the answer is Randy Foy. Fourth quarter Foy was his nickname at the time. Was that your <laughs> second guess there, Jack? Uh, yes, it was. And, oh. and yes, I, I, I just looked it up. Um, Randy Foy. Randy Foy was selected by the Celtics. Yep. Got it. Yeah, he's anyway. Wearing- He's wearing a Celtics hat up there. That draft was so con- – that's why I said it's complicated because uh-huh. really now when you look at like most draft histories, it doesn't even show the Wolves taking Brandon Roy. It shows the Timberwolves just taking Randy Foy and the Blazers taking Brandon. It was it was a mess. That draft was so weird. Because who did um, the Blazers anyway. take then? They took Tyrus Thomas? <laughs> a legend. I think the Bulls took Tyrus Thomas, didn't they? This says they ended up with him for sure. This says okay. Portland took Tyrus Thomas at four, and Chicago took Lamarcus Aldridge at two. All right, and really terrible swap. Yeah. Um, the Portland Trailblazers <laughs> came out really good. San, I mean, not talking like injuries and whatnot, but Lamarcus Aldridge and Brandon Roy in the same draft is a good. That's a good haul. I, I vividly remember all my mock drafts having LaMarcus Aldridge just miraculously following to the falling to the Timberwolves at six. It was, uh, <laughs> didn't work out that way, but that's how I had it. Anywho, Brendan is up 10 to seven now with that one. Uh, let's see. Where do we have it here? Ooh. Okay. So this is the last round. These questions are pretty tough. Okay. Jack, who was the first Timberwolf to make an all rookie team? Not a rookie of the year, just an all-rookie team. Could be first team, could be second team. Oh, my goodness. Um, we have now left the 2000s. 
That's All my right. one. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. I don't know. I know Wally Zerbiak made it. Um, God, I want to think that, like, did Doug West make it? I'm sure KG made it. I'm sure Stefan Marbury made it. Um, man. Like, I know that Christian Leitner was, like, probably pretty legit coming out of coming out of Dude. college. Um, I don't know. It's probably either Pooh Richardson or Christian Leitner for me. Um, maybe Isaiah Ryder. I don't know. I'm trying to, to figure out who between those guys was first. Oh, man. I really shouldn't think out loud and help Brendan if I get these wrong. Yeah, I'm just stealing uh, one of the guys you don't say because I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to guess Pooh Richardson. Pooh Richardson was the first ever Timberwolves draft pick, and he made the all-rookie first team. That is correct. Well, yeah, Pooh Richardson wasn't even on my radar, but that's who I was going to steal if you didn't. If you didn't, um, yeah, I it. uh, yeah, it was kind of between Pooh Richardson and Leitner. That's good work, uh, though. So I think Ryder might have been later. I don't know. Ryder was later. He okay. was out there on the inaugural team. Okay, sweet. Brandon. Yep. You asked this question earlier, and I stopped you. Okay. Yep. Kevin Garnett was selected fifth overall in 1995. I believe on your pod, on the last time I guessed it, I asked you who went first overall. Yep. And the answer was Joe Smith. Yep. And I got it eventually. He won rookie or he did not win rookie of the year and neither did Kevin Garnett. Who won the 1995 rookie of the year? No, just, I have no idea. Jack can guess. I Are no you idea. giving up that quickly? Yeah, okay. I have no idea. No clue. Jack <laughs> right. was prepared to steal. All right, we'll make this interesting. One of the all-time what-if-he-didn't-get-injured guys. What Grant year is Hill this? The rookie of the year oh. in, in that year. Jack? That is incorrect. What? Stop. Was that not the same draft? Grant Hill was drafted in 1994 in the year that the Wolves selected Danielle uh, oh. Marshall. You're killing me, Tim. I thought I had that all lined up ready You to go. looked ready. I'd never seen you so excited to steal uh, it before. Grant I thought Hill was I had that. the same year as Danielle Marshall, and I think Jason Kidd was in that draft and a couple others. So, However, no more chances to steal? I don't know who. No more chances to steal. Okay. We're going to stick with the rules that we have. The correct answer was the seventh overall pick. Damon a Sotomayor. point guard that was picked by the Toronto Raptors. Uh, a good but not great career. Mighty Mouse, Damon Stoudemire. Oh, my God. I wouldn't have got that. I would have guessed, like, Antonio McDice or something, too. I don't. But that's what's crazy about it to me. In a draft with All-Stars, KG. Yeah, McDice, none of those guys Jerry Stackhouse, Rashid Wallace. What year was it? A guy that I don't think ever made the All-Star team. And Damon Stoudemire was the rookie of the year. Had a great year in Toronto just didn't last he was a solid starting six-man guy but great rookie year that was the answer well okay i went to got that as it stands the score remains 10 to 7 so <laughs> jack you have an opportunity to still win this this question was actually given to me by my dad i called him and asked for trivia and he gave me a trivia question that i'm going to admit i didn't know the answer to so is this okay. a jack's question first then mine or is it 
I think because ja- Brendan has the lead, yeah. I think Brendan's going to get the first opportunity to guess, and Jack will have an opportunity to then steal mm. and go for the W. I don't know if I'm going to get it, dude. I think this will be bad. In but 2001, two. starting in the 2001-2002 season, Kevin Garnett, known for his pregame antics, added a sort of dance high-five thing. I don't know what to call it. Pre-game ritual with a partner. After it was with one specific partner throughout the 2001-02 season. He continued it past the 01-02 season. However, that player was not with the Timberwolves after 01-02. He continued to do it alone without a partner. Who was that partner? Uh... I'll give you one. I will give you both one hint. This player was a rookie. Is it Malik Seeley? Malik Seeley is incorrect. Okay. What year did you say that it was? He started. 2001-02. This player was a rookie. Jack, because you're trailing, I'll add one more hint. The Timberwolves did not select this player in the draft. Okay. Oh my goodness gracious. Oh, I, I have no idea. Like I'm trying to furiously think of guys that we had. It's probably nobody guys. <sighs> I'm just trying to think there's like guys that was on that team. Maybe, um, I don't know. It was like Chauncey Billups on that team, but I don't think he was a rookie at that point. Uh, like Sam Mitchell might have been on the Wolves at that point, but obviously not a rookie. I'm going to stop you before you guess Sam Mitchell. Sam Mitchell was on the inaugural team in 1989, so he was yeah, not. Yeah, no. well, and yeah, because he's like old now. He's like 50 something now, probably. Yeah. Um, uh, I have no idea. Like, it obviously wouldn't have been Wally because Wally was there after that year. Um, Part of me wants to guess like Gary Trent, but I also feel like Gary Trent was older. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I'm gonna guess Gary Trent. That's my answer, Gary Trent. Gary Trent is incorrect. So with that, Brennan is the winner. The answer. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Was this player even drafted? No. Oh. Okay. This is an undrafted free agent signing. This player went on to have a pretty... He went to Europe after his one year with the Wolves, came back and had a pretty successful NBA career. I, I oh, is it Maurice Evans? It is oh. Maurice Mo Evans. Yeah, I went to got that. I remember his rookie year, he had one game where he... He didn't play very much that year. He came in, he had one sweet dunk towards the end of the year when they were resting guys like Kevin Garnett and Chauncey for the playoffs. With Maurice Evans was his. Yeah, so when you said so, he went to Europe and came back. That was like I, I've like kind of remember him leaving and coming back. So later then, on. was the handshake the chalk toss, or what? No, he was doing that before. Okay, so what? My, was like I, a, before I you go back and look, if I'm being honest, I don't remember it, <laughs> but my dad okay. swears by it and had my dad for. I know KG always would go headbutt the. 
headbutt the hoop yep. too. Had season tickets from 1996 <laughs> to his last year was the Jimmy Butler playoff year. So that's a good year um, to saw stop a lot right of Kevin now. Garnett, and that is something that stuck out to him. That was uh-huh. his trivia. Card. Yeah, I that's a tough one. I'm gonna yeah. After this, I'm gonna have to look up their handshake. But yeah, I wonder if I can find a video I, of it. I guess my guess before you made it very clear that it was a person. Um, was, was just going to be generally the basket stanchion was going to be my oh yeah i guess <laughs> that basket uh, <laughs> yeah when we made it clear it was a person then i was then i kind of <gasps> knew i was screwed i was but. thinking it was the jock toss the whole time i i guess i don't know when he started that but i knew he had done that for years people think it's a lebron thing but it definitely was not a lebron thing i don't even know if it was a kg thing jordan yeah thing, if i'm yeah. not mistaken that kg took from mj i could but, be wrong on that wow that was good i we started i started out like three four oh and i was kind of worried jack was i mean I, I trusted you jack but i was getting a little nervous oh man he thought he had the grant hill one too that was i really- thought yeah i i the I, one damn, time I the really one time you that. showed your emotions with a, a steel coming and you didn't have it right yeah it's all good trivia i'm like I'm good at trivia from, I feel like if we did this in like 10 years and did it from more like when we were like, once I was at least like 12 years old and started following basketball a lot more, I think I would do a lot better. But when I was young, I was like a huge, huge, huge twins guy Uh and didn't really love start. Like I I watched KG was kind of like the first guy that got me excited about the wolves. Um, but then once he got traded and the Wolves were just terrible. I mean, I remember some of the guys and some of the players on that team. But to be honest, like looking back in Wolves history, I almost have a better memory of some of those older teams yeah. just from doing research now than I did right. from like trying to like right. trying to remember guys in the Wolves in like 2009. I was definitely more of a, a football fan. My dad, I mean, we grew up, my dad didn't watch any sports. We just watched NASCAR and then fourth grade i went from my private school to my public school and everybody was watching football and we the vikings had just traded for brett Favre, and i'm like dad we gotta start watching football so we started watching football i joined basketball that year but the timberwolves we only had like the my 29 games and like the 45 games so like you couldn't (laughs) you couldn't (laughs) you couldn't watch much because we didn't have fox sports north or anything so i grew up catching like six games a year and then my knowledge of the wolves was basically just from my ps2 games and stuff so now i'm trying to get back that's all that's awesome. older <laughs> years so yeah for sure but tim i take it that you and your crowd are pretty big into like wolves trivia and wolves history um yeah i mean yes i'm i'm a little we get we get old guys. names thrown around in the group chat Freak, very frequently um, yeah like the Derek Jameses <laughs> and david naylor well not so much david he's terry horseman a little bit after me terry horseman yeah. andy grim andy grimsrude he's not very well, active but if he jumps in it's something he's yeah, got something he, fun to talk about yeah uh obviously Britt robson is the ultimate timberwolves historian because he's been covering the team since their inception but yep. uh i grew i mean i said it before my dad had season tickets from 96 on and i went to most of the games and so as a result of that and Honestly, playing NBA Live on yeah, PS2 right. was, a, was huge because, I, I mean, I was making more trades than I was playing the game, yep. so I was learning the players and all that. Yeah. Uh, I agree. That's kind of how I started started Sorry. to learn guys was yeah. through was through trading guys in video games, yep. for sure. Mm-hmm. My dad would quiz me 
when we go to games, we'd they'd have these like booklet programs, and he would quiz me on each player on the other team and went where they went to college, and it was, I mean, it was a little embarrassing how well I did it, <laughs> um, but yeah, just base or useless trivial knowledge on the NBA from 2000 to. 2012 is my right. my sweet spot. It wasn't useless today, I can tell you that yeah. much. So, <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it I, sure was. I I did a lot better than I thought I was gonna do. Like to be honest with you, I thought I was gonna get like wiped. I thought I was gonna lose by a lot. Yeah. Once you said that there were like ten questions, I thought I was losing by like at least like six or seven. <laughs> huh. Well. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah. You guys have anything else you want to touch on before we're done here? Anything you want to promote, Jack? I heard you have a a big board coming out after the draft lottery on Friday morning. Yeah, uh, my boy Jake Painting and I, uh, fellow fellow writer at Canisupis, um, we're gonna have a twenty player big board that's dropping on Friday morning uh, after the draft lottery. So from two guys who um, just like watching watching dudes play basketball that aren't aren't experts by any means, but um, would be fun for kind of the casual fan that's looking to, to learn a little bit more about right. some guys that the Wolves could feasibly draft. Um, and it's going to be centric to the Timberwolves, not mm-hmm. like a general big board. So it okay. would probably be different than most that you'd find out there because right. how we approached it is kind of like, okay, if, if the Timberwolves have the first pick, this is who we draft. Mm-hmm. And then like, if that guy's not available, then we'd feel comfortable taking this guy and then this guy and then this guy. Right. Um, so it can kind of be fun potentially for, for fans to kind of have as like a list during the draft of guys that they might want to root for, or that we would hope that they would root for. Um, so yeah, that'll be out Friday. Um, and, th- and that'll be a, that'll be a fun one to, to kind of finalize here in the next few days. Cool. Tim, you got anything? Anything no, special? <laughs> I want to give shouts to the people at actually both Canisupas and a Wolf Among Wolves, considering how the Timberwolves haven't played in so long, how much good content has come out yeah. over these last few months. It makes uh, you exciting gave, for what's going to happen when we play. the Booker piece, but like the draft stuff and over to Wolf Among Wolves, our Lynx team is absolutely They're killing, killing it. it. So awesome. It's a it's a really cool time to be not just a wolves and Lynx fan, but like a consumer of its media. Right. Uh, it's, it's been really cool to see the developments from both sites. So for and sure. just how fast that Lynx team has grown has been sweet. Like as someone who really made it a point has made it a point this year to try and like learn more and follow about the Lynx. Cause I think I got a little more discouraged when, when Maya wasn't playing and we got rid of Simone and, and stuff like that uh, to try and get back into it this summer. Like it's been so helpful to read like so many different people's views right. and opinions and analysis of, of that team. Um, and, and especially now too, without Sylvia, like um, just like the more content about the links, the merrier and is great yeah. for, for people like me that are trying to get back into it. So Tim, I, I thank you for, for seeking out all those people and bringing in a bringing in a sweet host of of awesome writers has been has been fun to fun to consume. Yeah, it's been it's been I mean it's been awesome this summer and it just gets you excited for what you know what wolves content what links content as we keep going is going to come you know as games are being played and everything because if you're getting this good of stuff with only old things to analyze, you can just about imagine what it'll look like when the season starts. But 
All right. Well, thank you two for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I guess I'm the winner of Wolves trivia, but if I went up against Tim, I would probably not do so hot. But um, yeah, so thank you guys so much for coming on. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for having me. Yep. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. All right, see you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.